Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who was once ranked number one in a slash lookalike contest, Colby Peterson. On the pot today, we have a man who was ranked number one for needing more cowbell at a Halloween costume contest, Dustin Chapman. More cowbell, baby. <laughs> Next, we have a man who was ranked number one in quantity of Taco Bell mild takes in a single podcast episode, AC. That may not be entirely true because there's mild, then beneath that is Taco Bell mild, and beneath that even is AC mild. If you're looking for hot takes, I am not your guy. <laughs> and finally, we have a man who's never been ranked number one, but ranked number two so often, he knows who number two works for, Sean Lewis. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, man. So on the show today, we're talking a Weber State football recap. We're talking a little bit about the game against Idaho State last week with former All-American center Joe Hawkins. Looking forward to that conversation. And we'll also be going over with Joe and our panel, uh, our football all-decade team, uh, which we posted on the blog a week and a half, a couple weeks ago, something like that. So if you haven't read it, you know, push pause and go check it out at WeberStateWeekly.com. It's on our blog, but uh, we're going to be going through some of that, talking about it. And finally, we're going to be going over men's basketball. The Wildcats were in Sacramento this last week to take on the Hornets. And so we want to talk a little bit about how that series goes, how it went, and what it means for the future as we get ready for conference tourney time. But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so that all this good Weber State content comes right to your feed as soon as it's posted. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, like we say all the time. And of course, we have a Patreon. We're going to mention this a little bit later in the show, but we've launched a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. You have an opportunity to support the Weber State Weekly team in our efforts to increase the coverage and provide better quality analysis and I don't know, just stuff for you guys so that everybody knows as much as they can about this Weber State squad, whether that's football, volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, so much to cover. So we're looking for your support so that we can continue to grow our footprint and fill this ecosystem with sweet, sweet Weber State content. And finally, if you haven't already, please tell your friends and family members if they are Wildcat fans. This is a great place to get that kind of content, to stay in the know about what's going on at Weber State. And so tell them about the show. Please feel free to rate us on your social media or on your uh, podcast apps. That helps us find our way into the feeds of other Wildcat fans. All right, Wildcat fans. Now we're really excited to be joined by former center and All-American Joe Hawkins. Joe, welcome to Weber State Weekly. Excited to chat a little bit about this football game we saw up in Pocatello last weekend. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me, man. It was a great game to watch. Yeah, we were excited uh, some 430 days since we'd had a Wildcat football game. And lo and behold, we had one up in uh, Holt Arena. And man, was it a good one. So, guys, I wanted to start out with uh, my, my initial question with this one was, uh, as we know, that that first quarter was a little bit slow. Uh, ended up with the score of 0-0. And so I just wanted to ask, who was sweating after that first quarter? Who, you know, who wants to talk a little bit about the way they were feeling at the end of you know, that, those first uh, 12 minutes? I'll go. I, I have no problem saying that that first quarter left me a little bit nervous. I was a little bit uh, comforted by the fact that we hadn't played in over a year and you knew that there was going to be some rust coming back and, and seeing live action, right? We, we, you can play scrimmage, you can get as close as you can in practice, but this is the first live action that we were seeing in over a year. And I think they needed to shake some of the rust off. Um, and, and so for me, I, I think they took that first quarter to get going and 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 get some juice under them, get some confidence. 
uh, but then they rolled after that. And and when they scored 49 points in two quarters after that, you know, that, that was, that was all I needed to see. The offense looked great um, after that first quarter. So I, I didn't have any problems with the first quarter. I mean, it's early Idaho state came out, jumped or jacked up to, to play their rivals and, and the top team in the conference. And, and it took us a second to, to figure it out, but they did. And, and it's fine. Yeah. Cause like you said, after, you know, a little bit of a slow start. We knew there was going to be rust. Took us about 15 minutes to get things going. Um, Wildcats ended up putting 42 points in on the board in just the second and third quarters. You know, that was a point that Mitch Tulane made on our live broadcast on Saturday night after the game was over. So a lot of production offensively once they kind of maybe broke off that rust, got things going. And so, guys, uh, AC, Joe, Dustin, uh, Chappie, what about you guys? You know, kind of what were your feelings after that kind of slow first quarter? What, what was going through your mind? Hey, I got you. So first, I got to give Sean a shout out because he said that Idaho State was playing their rivals, not that Weber State was playing their rivals, right? Idaho State is not our rival. We're their rival. They're not our rival. So shout out to Sean, my man. You got it covered. All right. So the first quarter, I'll tell you what had me nervous. Going into the game, everything about this game was telling me that it was going to be lopsided, right? Weber State. I personally think, call me a homer, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. Weber State, I think, is the most talented team in the conference. I think they're easily one of the most talented teams in the nation, and I just don't think that Idaho State's on that level. So going into the game, I really wasn't nervous. I'll tell you what had me nervous though, was that it was just a crazy day in FCS. It was a that I'll tell you that Saturday was just nuts. Where you got North Dakota State, who'd won like 500 games in a row or something, and they go down big. You got South Dakota State, number number three, I think, on Saturday. They they lost. JMU was struggling big, and so you got all this crazy stuff happening. And all of a sudden, the wheels start clicking in my mind. I'm like, guys, like, is today just one of those days? But now, I mean, overall, like, we just we just had too much talent. Right. And so it was kind of those two combating thought processes that I had was that Weber state is so much more talented than Idaho state and the talent will win the day. But then the other side of me was like, Oh crap. Like what if, you know, you just, you never know in college football and that's why we play the game. So I was a little bit nervous, maybe not as nervous as Sean, but I mean, I had a little bit of nervous going. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, uh, we were watching, uh, even within the conference, we were watching a little bit of an upset up there in Moscow. You know, Kibbe Dome was hosting Idaho against Eastern Washington, and that, that game also ended up being an upset because they ended up going, you know, an undefeated Idaho team beats number 12 Eastern Washington in the Kibbe Dome. So to be, to be fair, the refs missed, missed the field goal that would have won that. Uh, the scoreboard, scoreboard won that game. That's, yeah, that's very true. Joe, I want to go to you, man. Uh, what were your thoughts, you know, after that first quarter, a little bit slow? Uh, what were you thinking? Oh, uh, no, yeah. Um, I'm watching the game, and um, I, I was talking to you guys earlier, you know, I keep in touch with a lot of the players, uh, past players, and, you know, we're watching the game, talking about it, going back and forth. And we had, we had just got talk, got done talking about North Dakota State, you know, uh, 39, it was 39 game winning streak that they just lost. All, all these different upsets. And then uh, going in there, uh, you saw the struggle. I knew personally, you know, especially being on the team, on that sideline, I knew uh, the juices were going to get going, especially with, uh, you know, Coach Hammer. Um, he was actually there my first year at Weaver. Yep. So, you know, I, you know, um, knowing him, know, uh, knowing how he runs the offense, I knew something was just going to go. They just needed that spark. Uh, I think defense get that, uh, got that turnover, the pick, the D lineman gets the pick, and then, uh, you know, they just took a shot. Yeah, you, you saw that, and it was just, you know, I'm watching. I'm just getting happy. I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is, 7-0. Then boom, 14-0. And then, you know, of course, you know, uh, uh, Miss Tackle, whatever, 14-7 in third quarter comes 28 points. 
And it was like, okay, yeah, you know, nothing to worry about. Uh, we, we already knew he was going to be here. So, you know, when we were watching, we were watching the game and uh, Mitch Tulane, like we said uh, earlier, was on the live broadcast with us, former safety uh, for the Wildcats, his senior season 2017. And uh, he, he was very, you could tell, like Mitch, you could tell Mitch had played the game too, because he would say, oh, we beat him. And even before the ball had been thrown, you know, you could see, you know, the, the wideouts behind the safety and it's like, oh, okay. Yep. That's bad for them. And lo and behold, Barron's got a, you know, Bronx Barron had quite an arm, puts the ball, you know, a little bit, just right on the money for David Ames. And uh, no doubt, you know, that's a touchdown. And then, and then also you see in the first quarter, there was a couple of shots that they took that was just drop balls. Yeah. So, I mean, you saw, you saw, we, uh, we were beating them. It was just, you know, small mental mistakes, uh, dropping passes, stuff like that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you knew where, where the game was going. So we, uh, we just needed to do those small things. I mean, that you get after not playing for a year. But Yeah. We, like I said, we all kind of expected some rust, and we saw a little bit of that. But like you said, Coach Matt Hammer, you know, we had him on the show last week, and he noted the fact that, you know, when he was the offensive coordinator, they had top 25 offenses, and we were all salivating at the opportunity of putting a top 25 offense with a Jay Hill defense and the kind of damage that uh, that could do. Yeah. Uh, Chappie, what about you, though? Let's uh, let's wrap up this a little bit, and uh, let's get your take. Uh, what were you thinking after that first quarter? For most of it, I was angry, really. <laughs> that was that was my feeling. It's like, this isn't supposed to happen. But you take a step back, and it, it, and it is. I mean, new offense, you know, QB that that honestly number one I did not expect to be the QB. I mean we we saw the depth chart and AC and I broke it down in our our, our game day show. We we thought it was going to be Randall Johnson starting quarterback, and, which and is no disrespect to Bronson. No, not at all. He played lights out. He, he played lights out, and like Joe mentioned, I mean he he underthrew a couple balls early, and, and there's there's there was just some nerves from everybody. I think it'd been a long time, but and, and we talked about that on our game day show that I expected him to kind of come out conservative and and do things. They were a little slow. Um, I will say though, I did love Joe to, to, to build off what you were saying. They were, they were going big play from the start. <laughs> and, and to me, as we were state fan, that's what our offense has been missing for the past few years was that big play, you know, big play potential to just go in there and, and absolutely do it. And they, they tried it very first play <laughs> and they kept trying it until it worked and it worked three to four times. So, uh, yeah, the first quarter was, was what it was. I don't think it was unexpected, but still as a fan, you're going to fan and be, be angry that your team's not just blowing people out and scoring every time, but the result was perfect. So one of the things I noticed guys was the, you know, the running game, which is usually a hallmark of a Jay Hill team. Uh, the running game kind of struggled in that first half. And so Joe, I want to start with you because you're a man who's played on the offensive line and all American. Uh, I want to ask, like, kind of, what was that flip? What was the change from the first half to the second half that really made the run game a lot more effective? Um, I thought a big thing was the pass opening up. Mm. Um, we started taking them shots deep. I mean, we were taking them in the beginning, but everyone knows Weber State. They, we, we can run the ball. We can run mm. the ball on anybody. And I think, you know, being Idaho State, they probably went in that game thinking, you know, hey, we got to stop the run. You got to stop the run. And, um, of course, you know, they were, they were doing a good job with that. And then out of nowhere, uh, we start completing those downfield passes and defense starts backing up a little bit. And then, boom, Josh breaks. For yeah. one, I think 60 yards, 64 yards, something like that. So, yeah. Well, and, and how about this? I mean, how phenomenal is it going to be? Because Rashid Shahid was clearly more involved in the offensive game plan. And Matt Hammer hit on that with us last week. Like, 
it, it was clear that they wanted Rashid to be doing more than just returning kicks this season. And I mean, that combination is going to be lights out all season. Go deep with Rashid or or Ames or T Mac, and then light them up with Josh Josh Davis beating running it right down their throat. Uh, I just want to point out that that when we're when we're looking for stats as a whole in the rushing game, you have to look at it in context of those averages. So you look at it, you look at it, gosh, we got 289 yards, 7.4 yards per carry. You're thinking, gosh, we just killed him in the trenches. And we did, but there's context to it, right? Yeah, you definitely well, have to have the context. So, I mean, if if you didn't watch the game, right, and you just see that, you're like, oh, we ran all over him. It was an easy day for us. And I, I agree that it, it wasn't an easy day for us. You know, we had a few home runs and kind of got bailed out there. But I, I kind of want to hear from Joe on something. Joe, Idaho State runs a base 3-4, and I, I kind of want to know your opinion. Is is it tougher to run against a 3-4? Is it tougher to run against a 4-3? I mean, you're a dude who studied this stuff, so I I want I kind of want to hear from you. Well, so, like, for me right now, so um, right now I'm coaching. I coach high school football off at Salon, too. And um, I always tell my guys, when it comes to, like, three down, mainly three down, you got to trust your rules. You, um, so, for me, I think, when, like when when I played, we played North Dakota, and I think uh, they ran a three four at the time. I don't know why, but it was so I was lost out there. Just like because you know I'm the center, I'm making the calls, making the points, and I just remember that game. Um, I was I was lost. I was like I don't I don't know what to call right now. We got a guy walked up on backside now that I'm coaching. I see it what see it more. I, I understand it. I would say it it, it is surprising. It, it can be surprising just because. Three four uh, in a three four defense, you usually got the head up nose, head up DNs. Um, probably sometimes playing outside shades uh, on those tackles, tight ends. And one thing, uh, Coach Myers would, would tell us, you know, um, you got the liars, cheaters, and truth seekers. And uh, the liars are, are D linemen because they'll line up in one gap, move to another. You know what I'm saying? They might line up in a three and end up in a one by the time at the snap of the ball. Then you got the cheaters. Linebackers, if they're going to hit this gap, they're going to cheat over a little bit. So you can tell they're from their base alignment. And the truth seekers, you look at the safeties. Uh, if the safeties rolled over, you know what's coming. You know, you, you, you know. Once you take a step back, look at the big picture. It's it's easier than you think. But three four, uh, I always thought three four was three four three three defenses. That those were always one of the most comp, uh, complex defenses for me to play against. I mean, at the same time. Big gaps. If you block it right, you're hitting home runs. I will say that. You block it right, you're hitting home runs. But I, but other than that, uh, just taking a step, like being in the being in the moment, uh, I can see where it can be a little tricky. So, uh, fellas, I want to move the conversation on now and talk a little bit about. You know, we mentioned this up at the beginning of the of the segment. The fact that we were surprised to find that Bronson Barron, a true freshman, was going to be playing at the quarterback. He's going to be starting at the quarterback position over what we thought would be the lock in junior transfer Randall Johnson and Bronson had a great game ended up actually you know they announced today that he's the big sky player of the week with his performance and so I wanted to get your impressions on that fellas like what when you heard that Bronson Barron was going to be the starting quarterback for the Weber State Wildcats against Idaho State uh what went through your mind because you know ended up being 312 yards four touchdowns no picks only got sacked once 17 of 27 uh pretty good stat line um but what were your thoughts when you saw that one? When we announced that we were starting a true freshman at quarterback, the first thing that went through my mind is we've got a Porsche team 
right here that has got national title uh, aspirations and is a true freshman coming in off a LDS mission, who you want leading that, that driving that car, can he get us to the promised land? Right. That was my first thought. Can, can Bronson get us to the promised land as a true freshman after Saturday? Now I know it's Idaho state and I know that they're not uh, supposed to be as high in the big sky conference. Weaver's got a really soft schedule. We've talked about that on ad nauseum. I have more confidence that, that the coaches made the right decision because he was making the throws. He was doing what he did. He had a great day. Big Sky Offensive Player of the Week. Congratulations. You have convinced me, but I still need to see a little bit more because we don't expect a true freshman to come in and lead a national title contender. That's my my concern is he does against Idaho State. Can he do it against the North Dakota States and the James Madisons of the world? I want to say my concern. I I guess my, my optimism that leads to my concern is that I'm glad we still have games left for him to get experience because I'm not so much, I'm worried about what's going to happen when he's facing a JMU or a, a South Dakota state or a North Dakota state defense. I, I, that's what concerns me, but luckily we have more games to work that out, to work him into the system, to let him feel more comfortable uh, before we have to have those types of games. AC or Joe uh, thoughts here before we move on to the next segment. Well, for me, I'm, I'm I'm always cool. I'm all I'm always for the underdog. You know what I'm saying? True freshman coming in, take getting the starting getting the starting spot. We do have a friend, Chase Larson, played on the team too. I think his uh, his brother, also a coach on the team, Zach Larson. So talking to Chase here and they're asking about the QB situation. Uh, he, uh, I I just heard the Bronson Bronson kid. He's making the passes, and I don't care if you're a freshman, junior, like you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Hey, you making the passes? You making the passes? You know what I'm saying? So, hey, at that point, um, he's he's going in there making the passes. I'm fine with that. You know, he, he has these games to get in the groove, get that confidence up. You get the confidence up, and you know it's hard to stop. So, hey, so go for it. I'm with it. AC, well, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm with Joe. I'm with Joe on this thing. So, Bronson, he comes in, and bro, I'm telling you, I was shocked. I was shocked. And I've, I've heard good things about Bronson's high school days. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I didn't see him, but I've heard good things about him. And you compare the resumes, right, which is pretty much all we had because there's so limited media to, to the practices this year. And by limited, I mean none. There was no media at practices, no media at scrimmages. And so all we had was resumes. And when you compare the resumes, it seemed pretty clear who was going to be the starter. Again, this is absolutely no disrespect to Bronson because he knocked my doors off. Like, I thought he was phenomenal. Dude's got an arm. I mean, it it feels like it's been a long time since we've seen some Weber State quarterbacks make some of those throws. I'll be real. When he's hitting David Ames like 50 yards in the air, like, I mean, it it wasn't quite on the money, but it was right there. I mean, had to slow up a little bit, right? Yeah, he had to slow uh, up just a little bit, but hey, still ahead of the safety. He hit T Mac, though, that was on the money. It wasn't touchdown, but it was like 45 yards in the air on the money. And so it's like, man, this dude's got an arm. And so, I mean, I'm with Joe. If if he's making the plays, then why aren't we going to play him? And you know what? Big Sky Player of the Week, he looked pretty good out there. All right. Uh, well, fellas, um, appreciate that. Um, of course, uh, we didn't mention, but there is no game. Unfortunately, the game against Cal Poly was canceled. It's going to be pushed to April 17th. Uh, we were wrong about that on our live broadcast. Uh, thanks, Brett Blair, for uh, making, making that known to us. Um, 
So that game will be on April 17th. So no game this weekend, but we will look forward to the home opener against Davis, UC Davis, on March 13th. I can smell the brisket now. Yeah, we're going to be out there tailgating. And so if you're interested in coming and hang out with the Weaver State Weekly crew, uh, make sure you get there early. Game is at 1 p.m. that day. And so we'll probably be out there probably starting at 11, cooking some meat, hanging out. We'll probably do a little bit of pregame show. We'll be doing a live broadcast if, if we can make the technology work. And so feel free to come join us up at Stewart Stadium. It's going to be a good time. We've had a long time for a home football game. Last one that we were at, uh, I mean, I was there. Were you guys there? Uh, it was really a... Uh, Pretty phenomenal. I, I heard that there's somebody on the call tonight that left in the second quarter. That's uh, crazy. Uh, now we're going to move on and talk a little bit about this all-decade team that we reduced, uh, that we released last week. Um, so we both sides of the ball, offense and, of course, special teams and, and then defense. And so uh, well, I wanted to start with offense, guys. It's one of the reasons why we invited Joe on because Joe's on the team. Joe's on the all-decade team and all-American at center. How do you not say yes to that? And so, guys, I wanted to start out on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this team. What were your thoughts? Um, you know, who did you like? Let's start with you, AC. You're one of the one of the main compilers of this thing. Talk oh, to us a little man. bit about that process, bro. This this I'm telling you, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because I love these dudes. These dudes are they're good dudes. You look at these guys who played 2010 to 2013 that in that range, right before Jay Hill. These guys, I mean, they don't get the recognition they deserve, right? And I had I had to leave some players off just because I mean it's it's one person per position, right? I mean, there's a lot of dude, a lot of good dudes, a lot of good players who come through this program. So I mean, as far as I know, there's not a science to putting together a team like this. It I mean, you kind of have to just figure things out as you go, right? And it, it wasn't easy. I talked to a lot of players, current and former. I talked to coaches. I, I looked at stats, I looked at accolades, and I, I'll tell you what, I did my absolute best, and I had to leave a lot of really good players off. It breaks my heart, but you know what? When we get someone like Joe Hawkins in here, someone like Joe Hawkins, who's an All-American on that offensive line that's been so stout for so long, I mean, it, it, it's fun reaching out to these players, writing about them, studying them, uh, hearing coaches fans, players talk about them. So it was a ton of fun, but I'll tell you what, it was incredibly difficult. Joe, I want to go to you. Uh, you know, like you said, all American included on this team. When you read through that, uh, what was that? What was going through your mind? when you saw, Oh man, Joe Hawkins on the list. How about that? Hey, first of all, thank you for putting me on the list. Oh, uh, I was sweating bullets at first. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, bro. You deserve it. No doubt. Never <laughs> had, a doubt. We had a list uh, for my area in high school wise and I am making, and I was like, you know what? I don't make the college one too, you know, it, it just wasn't meant to be. So, you know, that, that popped out. I'm on the list. So, you know, I was happy about that. No. Yeah. I mean, I was a fan of the list. I liked it. I knew, Oh, I, I saw some names that weren't on the list and I knew, you know, that, that was going to be something to talk about for sure. Uh, <laughs> which, which was great because um, like I said, I talked to keep in touch with a lot of my teammates and uh, we, we had fun with that. Just talking about, it was like, Oh, you, you see what's his name isn't on the list. And it was like, oh, I want to see how he feels about that. So, you know, you know, just messing with each other about that stuff. But no, yeah, no, it was great. It was great for sure. Yeah. Uh, Sean or Chappie, uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the list when you saw it come out and your, your initial reactions, kind of what you thought. I'm with AC with, with only one spot per position. Um, you're, you're gonna, it's a tough call. And one of the things that, that, um, we had to take into, or I, I say we, I had nothing to do with this list. I, I didn't contribute one, one, one sentence to this, but what I could say is that, uh, 
do you look at the era of wildcat football? We're going from the end of the Ron McBride area, Ron McBride era, all the way through the last seven years of Jay Hill, plus some sketchy years there with, with some with some weird things happening uh, with alums and all that trying to coach the or not coaching the team. Um, and so uh, I, I think uh, where where you come down to is sometimes there's some recency bias and you're going to, you're going to default to the players on the most successful teams. And, and so I, I think AC did a great job compiling this and, and yeah, we, the whole point of the list like this are to create that discussion and create that argument, right? You could make cases for just about anybody on there, but I don't think there was any uh, major uh, missteps here at all. No, yeah. I disagree. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of All-Americans here. Uh, Josh Davis, you know, like we said, two-time All-American. Uh, we ended up, quarterback, ended up going Cameron Higgins. Um, you know, big sky offensive player of the year. You know, that's the MVP right there on that side of the ball. Um, like we mentioned, you know, Joe, of course, Joe Hawkins, two-time All-Big Sky selection and 2015 All-American, along with uh, Suo Opeta, you know, who's now playing in the league, two-time All-Big Sky selection and a two-time All-American. Uh, J.C. Orem as well, two-time All-American. Like, you know, just stacked accolades on this one, fellas, like a lot. And of course, can't forget my guy, Andrew Vollert. Man, do I miss Andrew Vollert, man. Two-time All-American there. Um, Chappie, let's uh, let's get your thoughts, and then let's move to the defensive side of the ball. It's great. Number one, um, we, we kind of known this unofficially, but we, you know, because we've put a few guys in the league, but we have a great tradition at offensive line. <laughs> we really do. We have an absolutely phenomenal, you know, tradition here, going back to Ron McBride days even earlier, but it, it, it always has been an emphasis and, and I, I'm, I'm glad that that's a place that we definitely excel at because it's, it's where it all starts. Yeah. Like, uh, like you noted, Chappie, uh, and AC noted this in the piece, the deepest position by far offensive line, uh, a lot of great, great talent there, Joe being among them. And uh, you know, that's a credit to coach Brent Myers who does a great job with those folks and has been a staple of the program for a very long time, coaching guys up and making sure that they are competing at the highest levels. So now let's uh, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball, guys. Uh, looking over here, um, you know, some very familiar names, guys like Taron Johnson, of course, who, you know, playing in the league right now and uh, doing a great job. Um, of course, uh, we also included special teams on the defensive side of the ball. And so we see names like Trey Tuttle, who was a great kicker for us, uh, Doug Lloyd, you know, great punter for us. But uh, I want to get your uh, your your reactions. You know, were you were you surprised? Uh, did you feel that maybe there was a a little bit of a bias toward the recent, more recent years of the decade, or you know, is that just kind of the way it goes? What what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I got I got a few things right. So we got I I'll tell you what I actually caught like a ton of flack for the defense. I'll be True. real. I caught a, I caught a, I caught a good amount of flack for the defense. So I tried to make it so that I could spread, like get as much talent on this team as possible. Right. If you look at the offensive line, I didn't do like a true center, right guard, left guard, left tackle, right tackle. I just did five linemen. Right. And on defense with the linebackers, I didn't do a true middle linebacker, outside linebacker type situation. I just did three linebackers. Um, so I, I tried to flex it to get as many people in here who were deserving as possible. That said, Trey Johnson was, incredibly difficult to leave off that one hurt another one that hurt i'll tell you was i left an all-american off this list you guys Woo! i left an all-american off this list and it's my boy defensive tackle felipe satake uh, uh 20 2018 all-american i left a freaking all-american off this list and like i'll tell you like 
I'm losing sleep over this stuff, man. It was hard. Like it was just, it was so hard. And so, I mean, so, so many good players, dudes who are in the NFL or dudes who have been to the NFL, McKay Murphy, Taron Johnson, you know, Trey Tuttle was on pace to be our best kicker ever. One of the best kickers in FCS history, Rashid Shaheed. He, I mean, he might get a shot at the league. Who knows? He might be, he might end up on Sundays. He's a special player. So, so many good players on the defensive and special teams side of the ball. And man, leaving some of these dudes out, it hurt. I'll be real. Yeah. Joe, what about you? When you saw the defensive side of the ball, you know, uh, what were your, your reactions as a guy who had played earlier in the decade? Go easy on me, Joe, please. (laughs) No. So, um, I thought, I I mean, actually I liked, like I said, I liked the list. Um, I knew because me personally, I like when, all these all decade teams started coming out. I tried to make my one of my own for, you know, Weber and everything. And defense was the hardest, like just the entire defense was so hard just because you have so many linebackers. I think you had Landon Sice, uh, LeGrand Toya and Anthony Morales. That's right. Yep. Yeah, and then you also had like, you know, Trey Johnson. Um, like you had all these other guys and then corners. Uh, Taron was an obvious choice. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you and uh, Ezekiel Harry. To the yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Second corner, mm-hmm. and then it's like you know, you had so many other. I mean, I think uh, with Vontae Johnson, um, David James, he was in the earlier. You know, you had all these other guys that you could have put there, and I, I like defensive line. So many, so many guys at defensive line. So you know, I knew there was going to be some people left off. And I think on D line, it was obvious with the two. Uh, uh, with the two DNs, those were the obvious choices. But when you got to the D tackle, there was just so many you could have went there. Like you said, you let Felipe off, and you know I gone against. I went. I think I was going against Felipe. He was a freshman my senior year, so I, I mean he gave me a concussion the last before the last game of the season. So I mean I, I know he can hit, and so like you know I mean there's so many guys left off. I like the list personally. Um, like I said, I really. Some of my favorite guys, like Landon and LeGrand, they were some of my favorite guys to watch play. Flying around, Landon was like a ball hawk all over the place, picking everything off. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the list. I, I definitely enjoyed the list. Yeah, I should note, uh, deepest position, like AC noted, linebacker. Just uh, just absolutely stacked at that position over the years. Chappie and Sean, you know, I'm going to give you a chance real quickly to kind of give your thoughts about the defensive side of the ball, and then we want to go to honorable mentions, guys that didn't make the list. I uh, want to get their names out there, put them out there in the podcast sphere, so that you know they can they, their names could be known. So to me, the, the the only thing I'll say is that defense is hard because it's not it's a lot more of a cohesion cohesive unit, right? There's not there, there's not there's not a quarterback and running back and wide the skill position guys are there, but it, you know defenses have to work as a as a as an entire unit a whole lot more than than offenses do. You know, in my mind, mainly because you don't have the ball. Uh, so to me, that's what makes defenses hard. It's you can have standout guys, but it's not like where if you have a dominant quarterback or dominant running back, it's it's very well known. The only thoughts I have on this, Colby, is that uh, what a great time to be a Wildcat. And this is the golden age of Wildcat football. And what a great problem to have that we're leaving all Americans off the list. Absolutely right. True. That means we got a deep, deep team of great players that have come through in the last decade and wildcat fans let's remember this time because this is the best it's ever been the yeah. best it's ever been and and credit to the coaches and all that 
uh, over the last 10 years for growing Weber State to where we actually can have an all-decade team that we're all proud of and we can have this argument. So now, guys, I want to get a name from each of you. I want to get your honorable mention. This can be on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball. You know, in the defense, like we said, we did include special teams there. So if there's a special teams player that you'd like to include as your honorable mention, give me one name, one person that you felt, you know, should have had that honorable mention, should get the tip of the cap, even though maybe they didn't make the piece. AC, it's your baby. So let's start with you. Who's your honorable mention? We've tossed a couple names out there. I'll leave those maybe for for some of the other guys because I got one dude who I absolutely love who uh, was very highly regarded, very highly spoken of. I'm sure Joe knows him a little bit. I got Bo Bolin. Oh, Bo, yeah. Bo, Bo is, he's <laughs> he's a little bit like Josh Davis, but bigger. He's a tank. He's a little bit tankier than Josh. He's versatile like Josh, though. Really good running back. Uh, Josh, Josh had... Uh, maybe, maybe y'all are right. Maybe it was a little bit of recency bias, right? Like I've seen Josh in the last few years and I haven't seen Bo in a, in a, in a while. Right. But Bo was, he was so good. Joe, tell him Bo was good, man. Oh no. Yeah. Bo was great. He had, I mean, he, he had some crazy deceptive speed. I like, he just pulled away from people and it, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. So I, I got to go with Bo, my man. And I'm sorry, Bo. I, uh, I love you both. If you're listening, I love you. You got my honorable mention. All right. Joe, what about you? Who's your honorable mention for this one? Oh, um, I hope you don't get cooked for, for just saying one name. Who, who sent you the most oh, text, Joe? Who sent you the most text? Like, I got so many names in my head right now that like, oh. Well, you have two then. Two? Okay. All right. Okay, I, I, can, I can do two. I can do two. So I'm going to go with the offensive line here. Ah, wait. No. See, I, I can't. This is this. Ah. Uh, See, I don't uh, actually no. I'm not. I don't. I don't want to sound biased because I played with the. You know, I feel like I'm going to be biased because that's all right. That's all right. You played with him. You know firsthand. Front row, yeah. Front row seat to how good that guy was. One guy, uh, I played when I was at left guard. Um, You know, I came there and they moved me to left guard. First three years, Shelton Robinson, great left tackle. He kind of. um, I, I always had some backup right there. You know, especially. I mean, I came in as a true freshman too, starting and. Having him next to me was great to some, like something, some, somebody to lean on. So, uh, Sheldon, yeah, Sheldon Robinson, I'd give him one. And, um, see, yeah, this, this is kind of difficult. So, I mean, I, I'm trying, I'm going to stick to the offensive side of the ball. Xavier Johnson was a receiver, uh, first couple of years. Um, he was, he was great. I'm going to throw another one, CJ Tuckett running back. Joe, you feel me? You see how hard this yeah, is, Joe? It's, it's, you it's, feel it's, me? It's difficult. You know, there's just so many people. Yeah. So many people. All right, Chappie, let's uh let's go to you, man. Who's your honorable mention for this one? Yeah, it's Stephen Cantwell. I Stephen Cantwell. I love the kid. He was he was great. Me too. I love that JMU game. I wish yep. that we had won it. <laughs> we we may we may have won it all that year. Yeah, I mean, because the way that JMU played the next week, uh, you know, and just I don't know if we'd have won it all because, you know, North Dakota was North Dakota State was very, very good. Uh, but gosh, could have played in Frisco that year if you could just got past the champs. Uh, now, Sean Lewis, take us home. Uh, what's uh, who's your honorable mention? Cantwell. Uh, there's too many names. I, I it, It's hard to choose yeah. one. Stephen Cantwell. Uh, it can be my my honorable mention. I'll just copy Chappie there, and and uh, then I can blame him for anybody that yells at me. Yeah. Okay, I have to give a few more. Then, if my boys aren't going to cover, I have to give. Please, a few. Trey please, Johnson's please. on there. Trey <laughs> jo- Felipe Sataki's on there. Y'all, I love y'all. I love you. Y'all deserved it. I only had so many spots, so Trey, both those two man, they br- just broke my heart leaving those two off. But yeah, they definitely get my my honorable mentions as well. 
Well, all right, fellas, with that, we're going to wrap up this segment. And I want to thank Joe for being willing to come on Weaver State Weekly, talk a little bit about the game, of course, on Saturday, but also talk about this all-decade team and kind of what it means to the players who have played and put on put on the purple and white and gone out to Stewart Stadium and uh, protect the field. So, Joe Hawkins, thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us here on Weaver State Weekly. Appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And, and I, I might, might be seeing you all what UC Davis game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You coming, yeah. Out, to, you coming out to Utah? I'm trying to come out, so I'm, I might be there for the game. Are you hitting up the tailgate? Let's go tailgating. I'll be there. Hey, let's go. Hey, Wildcat fans. This episode of Weber State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weber State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weber State Weekly. All right. Now, Wildcat fans, I want to thank Joe Hawkins again for taking a little bit of time to chat with us here on Weaver State Weekly. And now we're going to switch our focus to men's basketball. The conference tournament's just a couple of weeks away, and we've got one more series left on the docket, Northern Colorado, this weekend. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about this Sac State series that happened in Sacramento over the weekend. Uh, it was a little bit of a rough series, guys. Uh, Wildcats never really kind of dominated in this series. Uh, so I wanted to kind of get your initial thoughts as a panel. Um, what... What do we take and, you know, kind of what did we learn about this Wildcat team over the last couple uh, those last couple of games, you know, because Wildcats didn't really pull away until late in the first game. And then it took a last minute bucket, you know, really a last second bucket by IB to put the Wildcats up by two and really put the game away for good. So I don't know if we learned any more than we already knew. I think that there were a few things that were accentuated, though, for sure. One of them being. Anybody on this team can step up on any given night. If you look, if you compare the two box scores, or if you watch the two games, right? On Thursday, Sigu went off, right? He had 19 points. And on Saturday, Sigu only had six points, right? And then conversely, if you look at Zaire Porter and his stats, right? On Thursday, Zaire had a little bit of a rough night. And then on Saturday, what did he do? He went off for 20. Right. And so I think it accentuates the fact that this team is deep. We got a whole bunch of dudes who, in my opinion, are all conference dudes. And I mean, really, it's, right now, the big sky is pretty top heavy. And so I think we might be seeing a few all conference dudes from this team. Another thing that I think we saw is in the second game specifically, IB with the final shot. And this is something we've been hearing about since the offseason. Cam Davis came on the show. He told us IB is the guy taking these last shots. And on Saturday, what did we see? IB just, I mean, he read the game. He saw the situation. He stepped on the gas there at the end and went and got an easy two for us to get the dub. So, I mean, to me, I'm not sure that we learned anything. I think that what we have seen, maybe it was confirmation bias, right? It was, it was, it was stuff that we've seen and that we saw again in this last se- uh, last series against Sacramento State. Yeah, a uh, gritty team. And like you said, this is the nice thing about having a lot of seniors and upperclassmen on the team is that you kind of, you know, when the when the game is tight, you have that opportunity to really put the gas. IB was not losing that game on Saturday. He inbounds and brings the ball straight up the floor. And, uh, you know, and the, the Sac State defense really didn't have an answer at the time. And so he basically, you know, an uncontested layup at the rim to go up by two in with 1.6 left in the game. So it's nice to have that. And like ACU said, anybody on any given night, we've seen Sigu really go off. We've seen Zaire Porter. We always have AB going off. We have good games from Cody Carlson. We've had good games from Michael Kozak. We've had good games from Dante Bassett. And so anybody's dangerous on a given night uh, with this Weber State squad. Sean or Chappie, what are your thoughts on this last couple of games in Sacramento? So I'll I'll take this one. Um, I, I think one 
I don't remember what he said, but producer Dan was exactly right a couple of weeks ago. Oh my <laughs> oh, gosh. I can't God. believe he's saying those words into a microphone. I wouldn't say I, I, cut his mic, but Dan's got control of the mic. <laughs> cut, cut the mic. <laughs> I got to stand up for my Bear River brother. Um, but uh, I here's what I learned, and I think this is where I'm at for this season. Um, I don't think we, I, I, I think Weber State is a the most talented team on paper, but I think as two players go, this team will go. It's Sigu and Dylan Jones. And when those two are on, we're going to blow teams out. When those two are, are not on, it's going to be a close game. And it's those close games that scare me in Boise. That's my analysis. Yeah, that's true because, you know, we've always seen very consistent play by Isaiah Brown. We know that we can count on Isaiah for about 15 a night at least, if not more. Um, but yeah, is there somebody else that's going to contribute that night? Because if not, you know, if you got two, three guys that are putting up, you know, double figures, especially, you know, upper teens in, in the points, uh, you're going to have a, a really good opportunity. But if not, if, you know, maybe Sigu or Dylan Jones or Zaire Porter are off that night, it'll be very difficult to play, uh, stack up against some of this top tier talent like SUU and EWU. Jeffy, how, about, what about you? how about dude all DJ turning into double, double DJ, huh? Yeah, it's Love true. Love to see it. Yeah, uh, Dylan has really done a great job coming off the bench. He did start in the NAU series, and uh, you know this one came off the bench and really, you know, was a spark plug. Uh, it was just kind of everywhere, doing it all, like you said, and getting double doubles. Chappie, what about you? My take was going to be how phenomenally Dylan Jones played. You know, he's we've t- we've seen it coming for a while since early in the season when he started to, so when he started seeing more minutes than it felt like a true freshman should. Uh, and when we had him on the show, he talked about it. We saw the moxie. Uh, the kid has gone after it and he's, he's played extremely well. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with Sean, but I, I guess to build off of that, I, th- I think he's right. I do think it goes with, with those guys, but I would say there's another element to it. And that is it's the three pointer, right? If we're hitting threes and, and I'm not saying that we're going to lose games if we don't hit threes, we've proven that in the NAU series, we proved that we proved that if they're not hitting threes, this team is good enough to transition and go to another offensive set go down low and and with the three bigs that we have, the three amigos that, you know, we, we can win some games, but we know what this team is now. And that's great. You know, coming into the season, we really had no idea what this team was going to be. We had no idea how these nine transfers were going to, to gel and what was going to be. And, and, and it's been really fun to watch. I mean, they are, they are consistently what they are now. And that is exactly what I said, or excuse me, what AC said. On any given night, anybody can beat you. They are a very balanced team, the most balanced team that I remember ever seeing in Weber State basketball. Yeah, it's not just, you know, Cody John or Jarek Harding carrying the team. It could be really, like you said, anybody on a given night. So looking forward, fellas, uh, we've like we said, we've got one more series against Northern Colorado this week, and then it's conference tournament time. So going into the conference tournament, what has you most nervous uh, with this squad and what could happen? Sean, you raise the hand. What's uh, What's your take? Here, here's my take. I have plotted out on my scratch paper here for the folks uh, watching at home, uh, the current big sky standings in the bracket, right? Here's your matchups on Thursday. You would play Portland state. If seeds hold on Friday, you'd play Southern Utah. If seeds hold hold on Saturday for the title, you're playing EWU. If seeds hold, what do we know about Southern Utah and Portland state? Those are two teams that beat us this year. We didn't get the chance to see Eastern Washington. So I'm I'm scared 
and worried. I don't worry about Northern Colorado. We, we could put them aside, and we're pretty much locked into this third seed pretty close uh, as far as where we're at. That matchup of being the third seed and where we play, um, I those any given night, anything can happen. Um, at least we don't have to play them twice. It's not a series, but those are the two teams that beat us in, in the regular season. I'm nervous that we could lose earlier than our seeding would, would expect us to. I'm not worried about Portland state really. I mean, that's fair. We've grown a lot since December. Right. And, and, and and I think the players remember the lesson learned there and they will not let it happen again. (laughs) The one benefit I see is that Weaver is, we are definitely better in the first games. Okay. Of all these series we've been, except for maybe NAU, we've been pretty significantly mm. better in that first game uh, than, the, than the second one. And so I think that bodes well for Weber in a tournament setting. Okay? Um, there, so I, there was a Thursday loss at Montana. Yeah, I, that, that was what I was going to bring up. I actually think the NAU opener, you know, I was at that game and I thought it was fine. You know, we rained threes all over those guys. I think we, we shot 18 threes that night. Like, I'm not worried about that. It's, it's the, the Thursday set against Montana that was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. But... It's a three-team race at this point. I mean, it is. It's three teams, and after that, there's a, there's a pretty wide gulf. Three and there, four and there is a wide gulf there, and and the 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 gulf is Weber and Southern Utah. We know that we're pretty evenly matched. We saw that series, right. and 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 that's there. The unknown is Eastern Washington. We it do is. not know how Weber stands up against EWU. No, and, and that's why I say if we're hitting threes that night, I'm confident. But the other thing I do like is that tradition. You know. Other than that Montana series, we've we've been pretty good in that first game. We've come out and blitz teams the first time we played them, and so I'm hopeful that's going to happen. I, to me, I think we're pretty locked in. Either we're we're not going to fall to four, we may go up to two, but even if we do, we're still going to be facing SUU. So you know, to, in order to get to the title game, so I it is what it is. It's it's going to be. I, I do like uh, Sean Lenardi there breaking down the Big Sky bracketology. Uh, but, but, you know, to me, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be us against SUU. If we win, we go against Eastern Washington and we'll see what happens. Title title goes through Eastern Washington either way, right? AC, take us home. Uh, what are you nervous about? So I'll tell you guys what. SUU doesn't worry me so much. And I say that because in a two-game series, the point differential in that series was pretty heavily in favor of Weber State. I think you put the two teams on a neutral court, and I think Weber State can win by double digits, right? Whether it's 10 points, 15 points, whatever. I think Weber State can win on a neutral court by double digits against SUU. I think we're better than SUU. Um, I'll tell you what does worry me is the first game, whoever we play. We've got three conference losses this year. Two of those conference losses are against lower-tier competition, right, in Montana, and Portland State. We've come a long way against uh, or since Portland State. And, you know, I think the team is better overall from then. But, I mean, two of our three conference losses are pretty bad. Like, they're just bad the losses. What's Both that, on the road, though. Both on the road. They, they were, they're bad losses. But as Sean has said a plethora of times on this very podcast, you know, the goal is to split on the road, sweep at home. Is it, though? <laughs> In basketball, I, I don't I don't think it is in basketball. No, in soccer. I mean, you're talking soccer, Chappy. You're talking draw on the road in soccer. No, no, no. no. Sean, Randy Sean, Ray has I, quoted this many, I just many times. Up, Sean. I, I don't I don't buy that in basketball. No. Against Portland yeah. State, you need to sweep that series. Against Montana this year, you need to sweep that series because we are, in my opinion, 
top two talented, maybe the top talented Big Sky team in the conference. I don't buy that split on the road. Maybe split on the road against like Eastern Washington. I could buy that. You don't split on the road against Portland State. You don't split on the road this year against Montana. I don't buy that at all. And so when you get the first round matchup against a lower seeded team, are we going to sleepwalk? I've done not. it twice this year. Yeah, better That's not. what worries me. I think we beat SUU, Eastern Washington. Who knows? That's a clash of the Titans there. But against the lower tier talent, we've slept walk a couple times and we've been caught. Yeah. And you know, and even even on Saturday, you know, this last weekend, maybe got a little bit lucky by, you know, it, just surviving the Sacramento State Hornets, you know, in the final seconds of the game. All right, fellas, uh, with that, we're going to wrap this one up by going to our our events. Um, this week's a little bit light because uh, there's no football and uh, a number of, you know, I didn't see any softball on the schedule this week either. So we're going to start our normal events. We're starting on Wednesday, March 3rd, Weber State Women. The women's basketball team are taking on Northern Colorado in Greeley. That game will be at 6.30 p.m. on Pluto TV. Then Thursday, the men will take on Northern Colorado at home in the D, 7 p.m., Pluto TV and 103-1 the wave. Friday, March 5th, women's basketball once again in Northern Colorado. That game will be at 6.30, Pluto TV. Uh, they're getting ready for the conference tournament, which will be beginning on Monday for them. And then Saturday, the men will be taking on Northern Colorado for the final game of the season, uh, the regular season, in the D at 12 p.m. That game will be on Pluto TV and 103 won the wave. Tickets are available to both of those if you're interested in showing up for the final home games of this season. Then Sunday, March 7th, a couple of matches. We've got Weber Women's Soccer taking on Westminster College at the the Real Salt Lake Harriman facility, 1 p.m. And then we've got Volleyball. Volleyball will be making the road trip to Flagstaff to play against the Lumberjacks, 2 p.m. on Pluto TV. This is a... Uh, the next couple of weeks for volleyball are going to be very telling because we're taking on NAU, which is a top tier team. And then we'll be heading on the road to go to Bozeman, I believe. And so Bozeman, uh, the Montana State Bobcats are the number two team in the conference right now. And so a couple of really big matchups for women's volleyball coming up in the next couple of weeks. Finally, like we mentioned, Monday, March 8th, uh, Women's Basketball Big Sky Tournament will start in Boise. That game, Those games will be on Pluto TV, and the women will wrap up the volleyball match in northern Arizona in Flagstaff, 6 p.m., Pluto TV on Monday night. So with all that, fellas, we're going to wrap the show up like we've said at the top of the show. You have anything interesting you want to say to us? Email us at WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com. We're on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weaver State Weekly team, especially on game day. If you want to get even more engaged with the Weaver State Weekly team, we've just launched a Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly. You'll have the opportunity to contribute there. And if you give it a certain level, you will be welcomed into our Slack channel, our game day Slack channel, and talk with the team as the game is happening. Uh, we'll be in there uh, among, un, among other nice perks that come with supporting us as we try to gather up some dollars here to increase the amount of equipment and the coverage that we can provide to you as a, as a team for Weber State Weekly. Finally, like we always mentioned, we have a great blog. Uh, the All-Decade team is there on our blog, like we noted before with Joe Hawkins. So go to WeberStateWeekly.com. You can look at our blog. Lots of good stuff there. We've got somebody covering the the softball beat. We've also got some football content up there now, coverage of the last game, and we'll probably be doing some stuff as the conference tournament gets closer in addition to volleyball. So with all of that, we're going to wrap this one up, guys, like we usually do. And I'm going to say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go out. <laughs>
Weaver State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.